Next up, number 787, February 19, 2024. Hey, this is Father Voskin, a priest of the Armenian Church, welcoming you to the next step, now in its 16th year of production. It's the next step, well, it's a step into uncharted territory. It's a podcast about life, love, and spirituality, and it's looking at the world through the lens of the most ancient of all Christian traditions, namely Armenian Orthodoxy. Polished up for today, packaged and brought to you as Armadoxy by Apostle.net. That's Apostolic Evangelism for an Electronic Universe. Hey, if you're ready, I know I am. Let's take the next step. Hey, it's so good to have you with us today. Hope you're doing well wherever you are in the world. It's a real cold one here in Pasadena. We are at Epostle West Studio, or is this the East Studio? Now that we've uh, sectioned off our different studios, we have a place now in Glendale, a place now in Burbank, and of course, the mothership in Pasadena, at least for the foreseeable future, until things get moving in the right direction with our construction projects. But for right now, I'm so glad to have you with us because I got to share with you something that ex- exciting that happened. I was like thinking about all the things that are taking place. You know, we started off this year with a bang and it's I felt like it's been it's been a roller coaster ride. We've been going up and down and so many different things and then completely by chance random coincidence, I don't know. But I was listening to one of the older shows to to find actually a reference to a Anush Opera reference, and I found it in episode number next step number two hundred and twenty nine. I believe it was twenty twelve or twenty ten, sometime then. Yeah, about twelve years ago or so that we did that episode, and you got to hear how, <laughs> you got to hear what we said right at the beginning. So good to have you with us today. Yes, a lot of confusion over here because we are just like, well, there's just like too many things going on. Okay, here we are. We just went through, like I told you last week, we had a roller coaster ride and it hasn't slowed down. It has not slowed down. Yep. There is no way to slow down. Well, you're begging the question now. Do you want it to slow down? Maybe not. I mean, yeah, yeah, we complain. It's pretty fast-paced, not time to breathe. But maybe if we just accept that this is life, it's kind of fun. Ah, yes. No way to slow down. It is nothing new that we are just moving forward, going pretty fast. But here's the question. This is the major question we had then. We've had all of our lives ever since Neil Young sang, It's better to burn out than it is to rust. Ah, nice motto, right? I mean, here's the question. Do you want things to slow down? I mean, think about it. In our church yesterday, I celebrated the Divine Liturgy at St. Gregory in Pasadena. And above the altar, they've written, It is a line from the Divine Liturgy of the Armenian Church. Interestingly enough, we have a situation right there in 
Pasadena where that's up on the altar and then there's like another Armenian church like a block away. Can you believe that? Yeah. Like like there's no other place to put one, you know? So they right a block away these people come and they establish the uh an Armenian church there and like a stone's throw from one church to the other and then right on the altar, what does it say? You know, it's like, well, where's the originality? This is like when, uh, you know, a few years ago when we were out in Glendale, you know, we put up there, let the children come to me. It's a youth center. Well, now we had to take that down. We didn't, but, you know, forces to be. Everywhere I've gone, I've just tried to put something really unique and special. And I think my favorite is up at the Cupertino altar. And I'm so glad that they've left it there. The the words up there of, of our Lord Jesus who says, In this world you will have trouble. Courage, the victory is mine. I have overcome this this world. That to me is just like overwhelming. But this sentence is eternal king. May your church, may your church, be unshakable, unmovable. Keep your church unshakable and unmovable, immovable. And I, I I looked at that and I think about it all the time whenever I have to say those words during the Divine Liturgy. It's kind of an interesting saying. You know, obviously it was it's in reference to Jesus saying the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Jesus Christ establishes the church. Yeah, I know. There's people that say, oh, hey, you know, I don't need the church to know about Jesus. Yeah, that's good. That's that's a cute little statement, but you know the truth is, if you know about Jesus, it's because the church brought you Jesus. Now I'm not talking about the little place on the corner. I'm talking about the universal church. It was the church that was there at the time of the crucifixion, at the time of the resurrection. There was no Bible. No, 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 no. Don't 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 get off on that tangent. There was no Bible until about the fourth, fifth century. But even in the early apostolic days, the first um, gospels were written sometime about twenty, thirty years after the resurrection of Jesus. But the church was there. So the first 20 years, at least, you know, there was a church without a Bible. But, you know, the the the, the letters of St. Paul, they came around the year 50, 60. He was writing to the different communities. People think that, you know, there's a letter to the Corinthians. Like, who are the Corinthians? Well, there was a bunch of Christians living in this area called Corinth, you know, and that's who he wrote to. To the letter to the Romans, the Christians that were living in Rome. So any, anyway, I don't want to get off on that tangent about how the Bible came to be. Suffice it to say, for our discussion right now, Jesus Christ establishes the church. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that reference over there, may your, your church remain unshakable, is in reference to the, the stability of the Christian church. But unfortunately, because in modern times, in modern translations, that unshakable can also mean that we maintain the status quo, that we stay immovable. Let's say it that way, okay? We're not gonna, we're not gonna move from our position. And obviously that's not what the, what it's saying, because if you don't move here, you wanna not move is when you're dead. 
when you're dead, they put you in a box or they fire up the kiln and they put you and your ashes are incinerated. Whatever case it is, at that point, you don't move anymore. Death means you do not move, you do not evolve, you only decay. So this idea that, hey, we're immovable, we're not moving, that's a bizarre move. That That's a bizarre statement when in reference to the church, especially when the church is Christ's body. That's our understanding, that it is Christ's body. That he gave us the church to do the work that he came to do. Peace on earth, goodwill towards one another. And so that church has to be dynamic. Dynamic in the sense that it's constantly moving. It's constantly changing and adapting and adapting the messages of the world to the message of the gospel for the sake of the people. Church is for the people. I mean, don't make the mistake of saying that, hey, you know, God wants me to go to church. He needs me to go to church. You know, <laughs> this is where we fall apart in theology. People make these, these outlandish statements that somehow God needs us, you know. Get away from that whole idea. The reason you go to church is not because God demands it or any other reason except you need it. Because when you go into church, you realize that there's something greater than you there. A friend of mine uh, shared a book called A Pattern Language. This was very popular back in the 1970s. And I learned early while in training and uh, that, you know, these buildings, such as churches, these are places where you get to lose yourself. You, you go into the church and you lose yourself. That's very important. Because you see, especially during Lent, I mean, this is really, really important during Lent. Here's the idea. Okay, during Lent, it's a time for self-evaluation. It's evaluating who you are, what your, what's your principles, what are you living for, what are the important things in your life, what is essential to make your life work and tick, okay? So you start thinking about these things, and when you go into church, when you, when you get on your knees and you realize that there's something greater than you, it's at that point that you humble yourself, and what happens? You lose the ego. This is very, very important. You know, yesterday was called in the Armenian Church, this first week of Lent is called Expulsion Sunday. And they talk about how we were expelled from paradise. You know, this myth from uh, Genesis about Adam and Eve and they ate the fruit and God threw them out. You know, that that's really misleading to say that they were thrown out. How about we were thrown out because of our deeds? In other words, we threw ourselves out because of our because of our disobedience. I mean, there's a it's a it's a small little difference, but it's important to remember. It's not God who comes out and says, "Okay, get out." You know, you get out because of certain things that you've done. And the older you get, the less you want to do those things. At least for me, I got to tell you that. I mean, for me, I, I will now at this age, I don't like hassles. I don't like drama. When I park my car, if there's if the car is sticking in the red on the curb, even a, a foot, even a half a foot, 
I don't like the drama. I will. I would rather get out and park like a block away, two blocks away, walk, rather than dealing with having. You know, people will tell me, tell me, go ahead, you could park, you could argue that, you could argue that in court. I don't want to go to court. I don't want. I don't have the time. I don't want to go there post bail and then go sit in front of stand in line and go see a judge and have them say, "Well, this is six inches and this is eight inches." No, I don't want to do that, right? And so I recognize that there is a law, and if I break it, if I break that law, there are certain consequences. And the older you get, the more you understand that this is just a pattern of life that you have to accept. Well, the earliest people realized that there were laws and regulations. And God says, don't eat this fruit. And unfortunately, unfortunately, people take this from a very childish uh, thing. They say, oh, there was a tree in the garden and then the garden. And was it an apple? Was it an apricot? And who ate it? Was it avocado? The pit was too big, blah, 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 blah. It's not about that. It's not even about a fruit. It's about that there are certain regulations in life that you have to obey. For instance, don't kill people. And what do we do? We build bigger, bigger bombs. Now, do you know that the, the America's all up in arms because the Soviet, I was going to say Soviet. Oh, you know what kind of man I am, right? You know what, what era I'm from, right? The Russians are now producing nuclear weaponry which can eliminate our satellites and cause havoc in America, right? And of course, Americans have their own technology that does havoc to other nations. We do this instead of trying to get along with one another and realize we inhabit this planet and we are all children of the same God. We have made different differences, created differentiations, I, I wonder about this every single day when we wake up today and we hear about the wars. Ukraine, Palestine, these are the big ones that are catching the attention, at least of the West. But we know that there's other wars too. There's wars all around us. And these wars somehow go unnoticed. And they all caused, every single one of them is caused by people. It's not inherent in the in the work of of God. There's a conservative talk show host here in Los Angeles. I think he has a broader audience than Los Angeles, and he he pats himself on the back as being a this quasi rabbi, you know, like he knows the law and he knows what Jesus Jesus said, even though he's not a Christian. But he will interpret it and he will tell you that and everything. But one of the interesting things that he says is he says that people are not inherently good, <laughs> that they are inherently bad, that when a child is born, child is bad. You know, I say, what? What? Who says this? You know, and so you have to work at being good. How about the other way around? Why not believe that people are inherently good? And we are corrupting them with the things that we have all around us. The weaponry that we have created. How about the, the, the money? How about the money that goes with all of this? I mean, we just got through a Super Bowl season here in the United States. The Super Bowl, it demands $7 million for a half a minute of advertising. Now, 
if there is a there is a beer company that has selling beer there's one that's selling uh, mobile phones and phone service there's another one that's selling potato chips and things like this now you got to think that 7 million dollars is just for the airtime to air that commercial on television and probably another 7 or even more to produce that commercial, the quality of that commercial. So altogether, maybe 20, 30, 40 million dollars to produce this little half a minute ad that will sell a bottle of beer or a potato chip or say something even bigger, okay? Now, these people have figured it out. There's a formula. Yeah, if I'm going to spend 20 million, 30 million dollars, I know that it will sell this many bottles of beer and my um and, and my profit will be taken out of how many that I sell. There's a formula. It's it's just basic math. And in that math formula there's these calculations that people make and and they invest accordingly. Now we just went through this. We just saw this. Now to, to, to get this kind of money, to put this kind of money out there, what is it doing? Well, it's feeding an economy. It's feeding people. It's feeding workers. Hundreds and thousands of people that are working on this two, three-hour show called the Super Bowl. But in contrast, you look at the players out there, and these players are good, no question about it. You look at the entertainment that comes out, no question about it, the entertainment is good, but what are we paying them? And there's a disconnect when you look at that, because the average guy who's working and wants to enjoy a show or wants to enjoy this Super Bowl game is making a modest living because we call him the average Joe, the guy in the middle class. But they're watching people who are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so you've got a disconnect, but you've got the illusion, the illusion that that guy is like just like you. He's a regular Joe. And if for one minute you doubt me, I mean, take a look what happens when the players go on strike or the players want more money. They are asking for more money, the difference between a $5 million a year contract and, say, a $10 million a year contract. The guy who's sitting in his home is not making that kind of money, yet he will say, oh, yes, pay them. You know, we we, we are part of that strike. You know, there's a disconnect. That's a disconnect. And why am I bringing this up here on this show, The Next Step? Because that disconnect follows through in everything that we do. And this is what we have now in in spirituality, in church. Not only in Armenian church, but everywhere. There is a disconnect between what is being preached and the reality of everyday life. We have kids that are dying dying every single day in these horrid situations. Right now in in Palestine, the Israel government is bombing people and killing them. And you know what their answer is? If you you mention this to them, their answer is that, well, on October 5th, or was it 7th, whatever it was, they hit us first. Okay. Is there anybody doubting that? And if you say that, wait a minute, hold on, hold it. But you have now killed how many people in return? 
they tag you and they say, well, you must be against us. They use words like anti-Semite without knowing what that word means. They throw it out and that labels you. We're going to get into that right now in part two in the second half of today's show. I wanted to start off with this because, you know, as I said, it was 10, 12 years ago that I heard that little bot broadcast that we did. And we said life is not slowing down. And here we are 10, 12 years later with just so many things going on in our lives, ups and downs, and it isn't slowing down. And I'm saying that that is not a bad thing. You really don't want it to slow down too much, right? I understand. You need a little bit of rest here and there. But really, that's the thrill of life. That's the excitement of life. That's the challenge of life is to grab it. And like I said, Neil Young, it's better to burn out than it is to rust. Okay, we're going to take a break right now. We do a song every week, just something to... Give us a little, a few moments to, to digest what was said. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the war and in a different way. And I think it's an important conversation that we have right now. Here's today's pick for the song. Look what they done to my song, ma. Look what they done to my song, ma. It was the only thing. Look what they 
Melanie is the artist. We just lost her. The world lost her. I think about a month or month and a half ago. Um, it was sad when she passed away because so much of my youth was uh, in was intertwined with her beautiful hymns, so to speak. They were they were songs that she took from the popular, and they just they had a they had a hymn essence to them. And probably most famous one was Lay Down. And these were anthems of the counterculture as well. This one, Look What They've Done to My Song, Ma, (laughs) one of my favorites. And I wanted to share it with you. Remembering a talent that came into this world and touched us in a very unique way. The artist Melanie, I'll put a link on today's show notes. Okay, we are back in the second portion of today's next step. Did you catch the number of this today's episode, number 787? And it just hit me that, you know, there was a news article. There was a Virgin Atlantic 787. That's a Boeing number, 787. They have the whole string of their airlines, their their commercial airlines. I remember when there was 707s and uh, the popular 727. That was very popular when we grew up. We'd, we'd see them out there. I think they had the four engines. I I think that was the uh, that w- that was Air Force One used as Air Force One during the 60s and 70s. I could be wrong on that, but that had the four engines. But uh, Boeing has a whole set of them that. A very popular 747 with the little hump on the top. But the 787 made news this week because of a near record wind. I mean, we talk about the changes and we talk about people changing stuff and here it is. I mean, there's always new weather patterns that are coming up and now the winds are so great that a 787 was pushed and it made a flight from Washington, D.C., to Heathrow, uh, London Airport, 45 minutes early because of the the rush of wind that was pushing from the behind. It clocked a, a ground speed of something like 700, uh, excuse me, 800 uh, miles per hour, which is, you know, about 25, 30 miles over the speed of sound. But there were reasons why it didn't cracked the sound barrier. I think it had to do with the relativity of the air system that was flowing with it. But whatever the case, there was a 787 that did that. Now, does this have anything to do with what we're going to talk about? Maybe it will. You know, we're always pretty good about connecting dots, or maybe it won't. That's not the case. I wanted to put it out there, but what is the case is I want to talk about something very, very serious. And that has to do with the war, but not necessarily about the war. The wars are taking place, whether in Ukraine or Palestine or what we know is going on in in Sudan, in the Congo, and so many other places all around us, even on our streets where we have gang violence. These are really small little wars that are taking place. And more important than that for my conversation is what are we doing about it? Because we sit around and we gather news. We get the news. 
whatever your source is, whether it's um, whether it's from social media or some kind of a service that comes in uh, on the internet, whether it's print, newspaper, magazine, television, radio, whatever your source is. Thing is, we are overloaded with this news. And the question is, what do you do with that news? Okay, so you you know that there's thousands of people hurting someplace. What do you do with that news? And that's probably the connection that I wanted to draw to the 787. You've got some news now that it went beyond the speed of sound. And it was being pushed by winds, natural occurrences we call them. Patterns, flight patterns, natural occurrences of wind that took it beyond its ability to over 800 miles an hour. Right? And okay, so you have this news. Now, what are you going to do with that news? What can you do with that news? You have the news that Ukraine is fighting Russia. Russia is fighting Ukraine. You have news that a, a Soviet dissident was killed. And you hear that they're making the connection with with Putin. You hear that a former president of the United States, right, is being taken, is being tried and is being convicted of different, different felony offenses. He's being fined. And yet you see the people voting and you hear about the polls and you hear about more and more people voting for this man and you say okay i got this news now what am i going to do with this news this is what you know if you trace it what the next step is all about when we started 16 years ago it was okay so we have a faith now what are we going to do with this faith okay we accept jesus christ came and Jesus Christ saves us. But what are you going to do with that news? And I've challenged the people that the only thing you can do to be faithful to your faith is that you have to act upon it. And that action plan is given to us by Christ. Go therefore, teach people what I have commanded you. Go therefore, help your brothers, help your sisters. Feed them, give them drink, be their companion, visit them. And over and over we hear this. And yet, when it comes to news items, we're not ready to push ourselves to that same limit. Because what are you going to do with this news item? So that there are a hundred Palestinians that were mowed over by the Israeli army, they were killed. What are you going to do with that news? And I think this is the greatest question that we need to start asking ourselves as people, as humanity, that we have access to the most wide and diverse, diverse information systems possible. But what are we doing with that? I know people, they call themselves news hounds. I have a few friends. Oh, I'm a news hound. I love getting there. Okay, that's great. And then what do you do with that news? So is it enough that you wake up in the morning, you hear the news, you go to work, and you tune in on different news, 
You're in your car and you listen to other kinds of news. And you get home and you do your usual routine of collecting other news. So you have now filled your head with all kinds of news about wars, about poverty, about sickness, about disease, everything you could imagine. Now, what are you going to do about that? I think this is the fundamental question we need to ask ourselves. And as a priest of the Armenian Church, I'm sharing with you an answer that can work for all of us. And this is why I call it armadoxy. It's taking the tradition and applying it, taking what you have, the Armenian Orthodox faith, and applying it to today is really what armadoxy is all about. For instance, Armenian Christianity developed in an area that was completely hostile to it, that was oppressive to that Christian faith. And yet, when we're seeing other minorities being persecuted, the burden is upon us who have gone down that route to do something. We are staying quiet. That, to me, is the sin. That, to me, is a, is an absolute sin because you felt it. South Africa took Israel to court. It's right now playing out in international court. Now, again, what that has to do with anything, honestly, I don't know. I mean, so they're, they're in court. But at least there is a record. There is a record that South Africa said, we have been through this and we find this appalling. We find this unacceptable that Israel is committing genocide. Armenians have gone through genocide. In fact, we're the granddaddy of all the genocides, right? We take pride in that. And now so we have to be able to to translate that genocide into terms today. For instance, that genocide comes with this Christian background, this Christian tradition. Jesus says something really important. He says, you have heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist evil. But I tell you, turn the other cheek. Now, this is completely off the wall, right? Especially in this world today, you don't see how that could possibly work. And so they keep going back to these Jewish leaders and Jewish theologians to explain to us the Christian tenant. Why? Because they say that Jesus was a Jew. No, he wasn't. Jesus, Jesus the Son of God, is non-ethnic, doesn't belong to any particular ethnic group. Jesus, the Son of God. In Jesus, we see unity of all people. And here's, I, I've shared this with you before, you know, there was a cute little thing they used to say, what would Jesus do? WWJD. And I, I translated that to WWJB. Who would Jesus bomb? If he was sitting in a bomber plane, who do you think he would drop the bombs on? Which people would he do that to? The Egyptians, like because Moses was allowed to go through the sea, but the Egyptians weren't? Would he drop it, drop the bomb on the Palestinians because his mother was a Jew? No, you know, I mean, it's just bizarre. Bizarre the way that people think. They want God to take sides. And God can't. By definition, God can't. 
God is the Father of all, right? The Father of all, everyone. And in that statement is that we are all brothers and sisters with one another. So what do you do with this information when you see it? And so they go to the Jew and they say, well, you know, are, are, we heard that yours is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus says no. Now, what they fail to tell you that in the Jewish tradition, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was the maximum punishment. It didn't mean if you took a tooth out from me, I have the right to go and take a tooth out from you and then crash the rest of your teeth until you have your toothless. It didn't mean that if you took out my eye, then I could come and blind you. What it meant is that the maximum, like I, I, you, you took out my eye, okay, there has to be some reparation. And I, he can do something to me, but the most he can do is take out one of my eyes. Can't take out both. Can't take out both. You crack my tooth, I have the right to go over and crack your tooth, but not your teeth. I can't do more than one. The maximum is that tooth. And so on and so on. And so when you go up to the Jews today and you say, hey, what's going on over there? You guys are bombing these Palestinians. And... You know, they're, they're, they're claiming it's Hamas. Now, that claim is, you know, that that's bogus too, because this is exactly what the Armenians need to be talking and witnessing to. When the Turks wanted to kill the Armenians, they dehumanized them, dehumanized. They called them, well, they said they, they called for an extermination of Armenians. Exterminate means you, you get rid of pests. Armenians were pests. They were seen as pests, so you get rid of them. I mean, everybody will agree that, you know, we, we you pay people to come and remove the pests from your house. And so by dehumanizing a group of people, by calling them cockroach, you can take that person and kill them because you kill cockroaches. That dehumanization process. And look what the Jews have successfully done. They did it in the Second World War in reference to Second World War. They don't refer to the Germans, they refer to the Nazis. And so the buy-in to the Holocaust is you hate the Nazis, and we all do. No question. Nobody, Nobody's Nazi lover. But you buy-in isn't to hate the, the Germans. Well, they're doing it now. They're saying Hamas. We're after Hamas, and we're after Hamas. We're after Hamas. And in the meantime, they're killing and destroying Palestinians, people. And I don't buy that, what the the news service tells us. Children and women are being, every one of them. What, you mean that the boys, the men don't count? Their, their lives aren't as valuable as the others? Of course not. They're all equal. And it's a shame. And so what what the Jews are doing is they're violating their own law. Because in place of one, they're taking hundreds out. Instead of that one tooth, they're taking out hundreds. Because the Jews will tell you that, well, you know, on October 5th, they came over and they killed, uh, what was it, 1,500. And they get into these number games. And you can't do that. 
You cannot do that. You will lose if you do that. You will lose your sanity, your humanity, when you consider a tooth as teeth. Plain and simple. Now, on the Christian side, do not resist evil. Do not struggle. Turn your cheek. We've heard these. We can't implement them, right? Martin Luther King, who, you know, to me is one person who tried, at least tried, to implement the teachings of Christ in his life and for a people, for a group of people. You know, and he taught, he taught that, you know, it's not just about turning the other cheek, but it's about not allowing that hatred, that hatred to control you. Not allowing someone else's hatred to rule your life, to steer your life, to steer your destiny. And what you hear today when you when you look at the world situation, it's just hatred on top of hatred on top of hatred. One of the reasons why Jesus said it has to stop at some point, and one of the reasons why he said do not resist evil, at some point it has to stop. Someone has to be brave enough to do that. Right now they're killing Palestinians with the idea that that will bring peace. You know what that's going to bring. If if nothing else, at least for the next five generations of Palestinians who will be growing up remembering what Israel did, what they did to these poor Palestinians and how their they, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents had to stuff, suffer the oppression of the Israel government. Now, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. You know, don't don't sit here and say that I'm judging one group. I know. I'm just saying that that's what's going to happen, and you all know it. Everybody knows it. Israel knows it, and so all you're doing is you're perpetuating more hatred. In 2015, it was the hundredth anniversary of the Armenian genocide. And we were doing a program with young kids. And the, the biggest thing that we did is we, we challenged ourselves to talk about this, to talk about genocide without inciting more hatred. Like, How do you tell somebody that the Turkish government decided to annihilate all the Armenians without making them to be the bad guy so that there will be more hatred towards them? It's bad enough we see this right now. Right now, within the Armenian community, there's new generations of kids that are growing up, calling themselves the new freedom fighters, calling themselves the ones whose wounds are still open, when in fact, they're removed from the genocide by over a 100 years, and probably have no clue what it is, except that there's a hinge of hatred on which they can, they can grab onto. And what this does it is allows that hatred to rule your life and rule and and govern your destiny. And you can't do that. You can't do that because the loser is you. There's nobody else. You know, it's part of being realistic too. You know, you look at the numbers and you realize that oh, there's like millions. I'm not saying because they have more people they're right. Don't put words in my mouth. All I'm saying is that at some point you have to take a more mature look at life, your life, and how your life can influence others. 
So we're given that opportunity, especially during Lent, is for that reflection, that self-reflection. To put the ego to one side, remember we said at the very beginning about the purpose of church is what? Is to lose the ego, to drop the ego, throw it outside. Can you do that? Can that, can that be your exercise right now for this Lenten season? Can that be your exercise? How to view life, view the world in an egoless way. In other words, to say, what is the good for all of humanity? Not for the majority, but all of humanity. And what can I do? That's the prayer that we need to have. I wanted to share this with you because I'm at, at a point right now where I realize I hear a lot of stuff every day, people, and I, I'm at a point right now where I'm uncomfortable with just being a receptacle for news. That news has to be processed and it has to be dished out in, in a way that transforms. And we have that ability. Think of something as simple as what the words were on Expulsion Sunday. We go back to the story of the Garden of Eden and the tempter says, take and eat. Take and eat. He takes those same words, Jesus, and he transforms those words of condemnation, take and eat, which condemned us to be expelled from paradise, to stand outside of paradise. Jesus takes those same words and changes them and says, take and eat, and turns it into words of salvation, for this is my body. Only Christ can do that. And Christ is ours. Christ is ours to the point that we need to share with the rest of the world. What are the ways that we can do that? What are the means by which we can do that? Hey, if nothing else, take this podcast and share it with people. Get people to think. Get them to react beyond the self. How can I make a difference with the knowledge that I have, with the background that I have? with the who I am to the rest of the world. That's Arbonoxy. Let's take a break right now. Be back in a few minutes. Here's Susie. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vazgen. 
Okay, we are back. Thank you, Susie. And thank you, all of you who support this ministry. I'm here to tell you that we are back in and in action and running. We had a few months that have been rough. We've put things in order now, and we are getting out daily podcasts, a few of them actually. Not only do I do my daily podcasts myself, there is one, a fantastic one, that comes out by Susanna Bogosian, and she calls it the Basement Tapes. One ask you to tune in to those. Those are on epostle.net. Once a week, we have the Sunday services called Giragi. Those are on epostle.net. And we have a vast variety, a wide variety of, of different kinds of videos, reading material, all kinds of stuff that you could find on, on epostle.net. Something really funny happened a few days ago. We got a call. It was just before Lent started, I guess 10 days ago. And uh, where is the video? Where are the videos about Lent? And I said, "Well, they're on Apostle.net." And no, no, you had something last year. I said, "We did." I, I don't remember it. Well, that's how much material we are producing. That we produced a set of eight videos to to take you through the Lenten journey. One for each Sunday of Lent. It's called the Sundays of Lent. I'll have a link on today's show notes so you can check it out. There they are. We had forgotten about them because we had just so much material coming up and we didn't have the infrastructure to put it all together. So we're very, very happy that uh, this lady informed us that she was looking for it. So we got a page up. And it is the Sundays of Lent series. But I, I say this because there's just so much that is coming out. And I invite you to get to epostle.net. Every bit of it is yours for the taking. There's no charge to it. It's no subscription. No one's going to take anything. If you feel like it, we would love it if you put in your name and your email address so that we could send you a newsletter with information. But only if you feel like it. I mean, you, there's places that'll not give you anything until you put in your email. And at least for right now, <laughs> that's the way it is. So I hope you enjoy it. And especially the daily messages, I'm enjoying producing those. Those are right at the top of the page. And I especially enjoy all of the different um, reactions that we're getting to the to these different podcasts and material. Do check out The Basement Tapes by Susanna Bogosian. Check out Giragi by Emin Matevosian. And uh, there's going to be some other fun things coming up. And on that note, we make a segue to the big conference that's coming up. It's called Reclaim. Now in its eighth year, it's the eighth annual Reclaim conference. It takes place March 2nd in Burbank, California at the St. Leon Levontians Armenian Cathedral. And I invite you to be there. It's a full one-day conference. Listen, I'm going to put a link on today's show notes. You could check it out. You could read more about it. Most importantly, if you can get out to Burbank, there is nothing like being at a Reclaim in person, especially for the different programs that we have, including the evening Agape Meal which will be a spiritually enlightening. It's like a mini retreat in a couple hours. How could I say it any different? And I hope you'll avail yourself to these opportunities. Again, we'll put links on show notes, everything I talked about today, including these opportunities. I hope I could see you there. Okay, well, that does it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed producing it for you. 
I want to thank you for joining us and invite you to join us every single day at epostle.net. That's really easy to remember. That's Apostle with the knee, Apostolic Evangelism for an Electronical and Expanding Universe. On behalf of my wonderful producer Susie and myself, this is Father Voskin, inviting you to join us at Epostle and join us again next week when we take the next step. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The management and projection crew vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Vpostle.net. Apostolic evangelism from electronic and standard universe. forgot to ask you if uh, you, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Uh, bye.